Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. For those who are regular listeners to the show, you know how I feel about the Beatles song, Love is All You Need. Part of the reason that this is, is because this is an unworkable philosophy and it presumes that love never changes, that it's a constant. But love isn't just a feeling, it's actually a verb. It's something that requires action. You believe someone loves you, not because they say they do, but because they show it in a way that registers with you. And if they stop showing it, or they show it in a way that isn't meaningful to you, you no longer believe in that love. So this is actually how marriages die, from neglect. Now, sometimes it's benign neglect, but it's still neglect, and your marriage is just as dead. So why do couples put up with it, and what can you do about it before it kills your marriage? Well, to help answer that question, I'm joined by Nate Bagley. He's the founder of the Growth Marriage Podcast and the Epic Marriage Club. So, Nate, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about this very common issue that goes on in relationships and one that actually doesn't have to happen. Thanks for having me, Leslie. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about it. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're here. So because, because I read your piece on the Good Men Project, and anybody who knows, mm-hmm. I write for the Good Men Project, and a lot of my guests do too. But you, you wrote a piece titled, Your Marriage Can't Survive on Yesterday's Love. And it really yeah. caught my eye. So what exactly do you mean by that? What is yesterday's love? Mm. I love that you asked. So I, I want to kind of move a step backwards and create an analogy to understand what I mean by yesterday's love. So uh, if you own a home, you probably have a lawn out front. We have a little lawn in front of our house. And mm-hmm. um, if there's one thing I know that the, the lawn doesn't mow itself. <laughs> and, and if you have a car, the car doesn't fill itself up with gas. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these, all these things that we depend on, that we rely on in our life, and they don't take care of themselves. They, they require ongoing maintenance, ongoing investment of time, energy, and attention in order to like, get the results from them that we want. Mm-hmm. And when, <clears throat> when we get married, you know, we, we fall in love with the person that we love more than anybody else in the world, and they get us like nobody ever got us before, and they make uh-huh. us feel important and interesting and funny. And, they, you know, we feel really, we're like, man, I feel so good around this person. I want to spend the rest of my life feeling this way. So I'm going to commit uh-huh. myself to them. And we kind of expect that our marriage will continue to give us these kind of results, give us these feelings, these emotions, kind of validate our existence without, without any sort of investment on our part. I think there's kind of this myth that if we just find the right person, find the right match, find the person who makes us feel good, that if, if we get lucky enough, they're going to make us okay. feel good forever. And one of my favorite marriage researchers, John Gottman, my favorite quote of his uh, is, that is it's the small thing it's the small things done often that get that make the difference oh my gosh i butchered that it's the small <laughs> things done often that make the difference and so i think that the point of 
that your marriage can't survive on yesterday's love is this idea that if you are always putting off your your investment into your marriage, like if you maybe you go on a big vacation or maybe you had an amazing wedding or maybe you told your partner last week that you love them or maybe you had sex, you know, two weeks ago, <laughs> those those little acts in the past can't sustain you over the long term. Your relationship requires constant investment. So your your relationship can only survive on the love that you give it today. And I love that because it's sort of the idea of you eat every day, right? I mean, we can go without yeah. food for a little while, but we actually can't. I mean, is it food or water? I guess it's water we can't go without for longer periods of time. But, you know, we, we require you know, sustenance. And but yeah. this idea that, oh, you know, and, and I, talk, I talk about it being like the squeaky wheel, you know, that, that our attention gets paid to what's making noise. And if our marriage yeah. is okay, whatever, however one wants to define okay, we stick it on the back burner and it takes, you know, it takes you know, second place or third place or 20th place, depending on what's mm-hmm. going on in people's lives. And, you know, and then could you actually talk in the article about, you know, how people get to the good enough or not that bad kind of right. concept of marriage, which I think you know, and people are settling and they don't realize, one, how they got there. It's, it's sort of like the frog in the pot analogy, which apparently actually mm-hmm. is not true. If you put a frog in a pot of water and turn the heat up, it will get out when it starts to get warm. <laughs> but so, we, but the analogy what, sounds nice, doesn't it? Right. It makes a good right. point. Right. But, but in actuality, I think that that, that that analogy gives people the wrong idea because you know, people actually know that things aren't great in their marriage. They, they know that it's not what it was, right? Yeah. But they, but they seem to misunderstand, you know, and again, you know, it, it's not the big grand gestures you're talking about. Like, it's not that great vacation we took six months ago. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. the conversation we had on our walk yesterday. Right. I think it's important to understand that uh, well, one of the things you mentioned is, you know, you, sometimes your marriage, um, we, we pay most attention to the things that are urgent. Mm-hmm. And, unle- and, you know, you got to get Billy to soccer practice. A bill didn't get paid. It didn't get paid. You know, somebody forgot their homework. Uh, there's a big uh, project at work that I have to stay late on. And so we're not going to mm-hmm. have a date night tonight. You know, there's, there's all these things that become urgent in our life. And, and it makes us put our marriage in the backseat until our marriage becomes something that's urgent. You know, mm-hmm. we, we can say that our marriage is important, but, but if we're always prioritizing urgent over important, then mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how important your marriage is. It's never going to get your time and attention until it becomes urgent as well. And most people, um, when their marriage becomes something that's urgent, it's, uh, it's not a good thing. It's, it's because your marriage has got, it suffered so much from so much neglect or, um, from so many unhealed wounds from so many unresolved disagreements for some of so many rejections or lies or broken promises, um, Uh that when it becomes urgent, it's kind of like you're hitting a critical mass point. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer that like the biggest threat to your marriage is mediocrity because a mediocre uh, marriage is really just 
one really bad conversation, one big fight, one bad day, one big mistake away from a miserable marriage and miserable marriages typically end up in divorce. And so that mediocrity is really when you get kind of lulled into that false sense of complacency and everything is fine and we'll survive, Mm -hmm. survive. Like that's the real danger because if you, if you don't, if that, that comfortableness doesn't kind of set up a warning flag to you, then you're only a few steps away from misery and nobody wants to be miserable in their relationship. Yeah, I agree. I, I, that's, uh, there are several words I don't use in relationship to marriage and miserable is one of them. Like miserable and yeah. marriage should not appear in the same sentence. So they should not. So you actually talk in the article about something called the law of entropy, and you actually specify something, you know, a, a different take on, on the law of entropy when it comes to relationships. But what does that have to do with love and marriage? That is a great question. So um, entropy is typically, it's a law of physics, like their own uh-huh. thermodynamics, and you don't hear it referred to very often in, in the space <laughs> of psychology or relationships. But the idea behind entropy is that everything is kind of in a state of degradation. Everything uh-huh. is kind of is kind of um, leaning more towards chaos. It's breaking down, and it's like if you've ever um, seen a car that gets parked in the field for an excessively long time, you know uh-huh. that car starts to rust and break down, and the tires go flat, and pretty soon that that car becomes unusable. It doesn't work anymore, and um, the same thing happens in our relationships that the natural state of relationships is this kind of slow, constant drift that pulls us apart from our partner. You mentioned earlier, like we ha- we get really busy, we mm-hmm. get distracted, we get complacent, we get lazy, we get distracted. There's all of these demands on our time and attention. And mm-hmm. over time, you know, we kind of get comfortable and we assume, oh, we kind of know our partner, things are working, <laughs> we're in a rhythm. And we stop investing in those little things done often that Dr. John Gottman talks about. And as we do that, without even realizing it, we start to kind of drift apart from each other. And that is, that is the law of entropy at work is that the forces of nature, like just the, the natural state of relationships is one of degradation. And if you want to maintain a great relationship, it requires some sort of effort, some sort of like, just like the lawn that we talked about, like right. you got to get out and mow, mow the lawn once a week. You got to fill your car with, with gas and make sure that there's air in the tires. You got to get an oil change every couple thousand miles. You know, when you live in, a, if you live in a house, you got to vacuum the carpets, you got to do the dishes <laughs> because if you don't do those things, it, it degrades, everything degrades right. around you and um, it kind of falls apart. And so, so I'm a big believer in um, doing small things that have a big impact over the long term of your relationship. Because the funny, the funny thing is, if we go back to the lawn cutting analogy, a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, I, I get this idea. I will cut my lawn every, every week. Um, but then they go out and they use scissors instead of a lawnmower. And then they get frustrated <laughs> that they're not, they're not getting the results that they want. Or they go to fill, fill the gas tank, but they use Diet Coke instead of gasoline. <clears throat> and then they're like, oh, why isn't my car working? You know? That same analogy holds true with, with your marriage. If you're not in, like, it's one thing to invest on a regular basis. And it's another thing to invest in a way that actually gets you the results that you want. And so that's kind of how I spend 
the majority of my time and energy is trying to help people understand what are the things that they can do on a regular basis to make sure that that entropy doesn't erode their relationship so they can have a really vibrant, playful, connected, honest, thriving, trusting relationship um, with, with minimal effort because they're just doing those little things on a regular basis that make a big impact. Well, and it's so interesting that you talk about doing the right things, like don't put, don't put Coca-Cola in your, in your gas tank because it's not going to work. And, right. and I see this a lot where people are making huge amounts of effort. I mean, they are really trying, but they're just doing things that, that either don't matter or in some cases are actually going to get them the opposite result to what they want because, you know, it, it's what they would want to have done. Not what their not what their partner values. I mean, it's really funny. Right. I mean, I go back years, years because my husband and I have been together for it'll be thirty six years. It's almost thirty six years. And Congratulations! The, thank you. And one of the first things I did, one one of the very first things, is I bought him a pink Oxford button down shirt because <laughs> uh, he didn't have one, and he said in passing he wanted one. Now. I hate the color pink, so please don't buy me a pink shirt. <laughs> you know, but but he wanted one. So if I had been right. using what I wanted, I wouldn't have bought him that shirt. And I think this is where people think they know their partner, but they don't. And again, it's also part of the reason why I do this show is because nobody has to take a relationship one hundred and one class. And so yeah. they don't necessarily know what works. So they're kind of doing the same things they've done in previous relationships, which, by the way, all of those relationships had, have ended. So Yeah. I, I love yeah. your example, Leslie, because I, I think one of the things that I preach over and over again is that if you truly want to have a thriving, successful, happy marriage, you have to be a student of your partner. And I literally, I literally encourage people to have like a, a note, a kind of like a note on their, their notes app on their phone. They should dedicate mm-hmm. an entire note to just keeping track of the things that their partner says and does like the pink shirt that you, that you mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, keep notes of, you know, what their favorite brands are, what their favorite order is at, at different restaurants, what their favorite restaurants are. You know, if they, mm-hmm. if they are like shopping on Amazon and they go, Oh my gosh, look how cute that thing is. Or you're walking through the store and, and your partner goes, Oh, that's cool. You know, take note of it, mm-hmm. write that stuff down, learn about your partner, remember what their favorite music is, what their favorite movies are, you know, who the friends are in their lives that, that are important to them. What are their names? What do they do? Like you should be, a student of your partner because your your relationship is built on a foundation of friendship and one of the key pillars of a friendship is truly knowing the little intricacies of somebody's life and it's so easy to kind of um assume that you know your partner well enough uh-huh. and and um lose touch with them as they kind of evolve and change over over time you know, you, you don't realize that, oh, the, the big thing that was stressing my partner out last week is no longer stressing them out and they have a new stressor or they had a fight with a friend and now somebody else is their new best friend or they connected with, they met somebody new at, at church or at, the, at, at work and 
like they're really connected and, and they want to spend more time cultivating this relationship. And it's really easy to kind of check out and, and miss uh-huh. those really important things. And it can take a toll on your friendship, which in turn takes a toll on your relationship. So I love that you demonstrated what it looks like to be a student of your partner. Well, and that's the other thing that people think, well, I've been with this, this person for a long time, so I know everything about them. No, because they aren't the same person. They've had different experiences and different interests. And my, my husband is a, what I call a binger. He'll get really interested in certain things, and he will go all in for a certain period of time, and then he'll be done with whatever that thing is and go on to the next thing. You know, so it's kind of like, oh, he's not doing photography anymore. He's now into blue rock music. Sorry, that's a lot. Yeah. He's into old time. He's into old time music, and I need to stop mixing those two things up because they're not the same thing. But <laughs> you know, you know, so you know, but it, he's not the same. And, you know, and and you know, we all change over time, and nobody's nobody's locked in. You know, in amber like you know the, the fossils. Yeah. That you know, I'm not. You're not. Our partners aren't. And and so I love the, the, this idea of, of becoming a student of them. So I need to remind people that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dories, and I'm talking with Nate Bagley, founder of the Growth Marriage Podcast and the Epic Marriage Club, about how marriages deteriorate and what you can do to keep that from happening in yours. And if you're one of the countless people who are settling in your marriage, I have to ask why. How bad does it have to get for you to take action? But if you're ready now, I invite you to get in touch with me and take advantage of your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after discovery session. You can send me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching and is in Nancy C is in Charlie.com or you can reach me by telephone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to talking about how to keep your marriage from deteriorating to the point where it's like the rusty old car in the, in the field we've been talking about that no longer works. So, um, one of the things that, that you mentioned in your article is something called a love tank. And I mm-hmm. think I know what that is, but I think it would be helpful to explain what it is and what makes it important. Yeah, so a love tank. Um, a, a, maybe a good analogy would be a love bank account. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, you've got a repository that... Uh, almost a rapport with your partner. And the idea is to fill your love tank or fill the bank account with as many Uh um, positive experiences as possible. And um, you want to build trust. You want to build commitment. You want to build, you know, uh, honesty. You want to build playfulness. You want to make all these deposits into this, into the tank so that at any point, if, somebody needs to make a withdrawal or if there's a mistake or an argument or a disagreement, mm-hmm. there's a, 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 you're not draw, you're not trying to draw water from an empty or a dry well, you know, you're not right. trying to withdraw money from a bank account that's already overdrawn. And mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're not making deposits, if you're not filling your own tank, um, if you do bump into those difficult spots, uh, it's going to, it's going to cause major damage to the relationship. 
Well, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I know that you know there's this there's this economic thing out there in the world today that that many people couldn't handle a five hundred dollar emergency. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering how many people's marriage could handle a you know the equi- the emotional equivalent of a five hundred dollar emergency. Yeah, um, sure. You know, I think that's what you were talking about earlier about you. Know, Settling for mediocre, which means you're just one bad thing away from yep. from losing it, and you know, and and I do, I I I think that most people just don't even think about this that that they don't. I mean, we're going to talk about this in 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 a little bit, but you know, one of the things that I tell people that any marriage professional, coach, therapist, counselor, whatever. Um, who doesn't talk about date? You know, we all talk about date night, but but yeah. people, but people go, oh, we don't have time for that, or we don't have money for that. And it's like, you know, my my sort of my argument is is you don't have time and the money not to. I mean, and I'm not saying that you have to go out and and go hog wild because I tell people you don't even have to leave your home to have a date night. I mean, you can do it within yeah. your four walls. Um, but it's it's the idea that you are spending time with people. And um, I once read a book by Willard Harley. Um, he wrote his The Attorneys, but the one I'm talking about is, is a book he wrote a long time ago called Marriage Insurance. And in this book, he says that strong, in strong marriages, the partners spend 15 hours uninterrupted, not sleeping, not with kids, with each other. And when I say that to my couples, they gasp. Like, 15 hours? <laughs> yes, that's less than ten percent of your week. Yeah, <laughs> but they but they say we don't have fifteen hours to spend with our partners. But that's what yeah, you're I talking think, about with the love bank or the love tank. For sure, for sure, and and, and uh, making sure that that investment, like if you can't do fifteen, don't feel pressure to do fifteen, but do right. something. You know, um, the start with five. start with one. Yeah, start with one. And one of the things I've been thinking about lately, so there's two things I want to mention here. The first is a lot of people say they don't have time. You know, oh, we're just so pressed for time. We're so, so strapped for time. We're so busy. And um, I would invite people to consider what they're busy with. What are, mm-hmm. what are the things that, you, that you're choosing to spend your time on? And are they things that are urgent? Are they things that are necessary? Are they things that align with your values? Uh, are they things that al- align with your priorities or are they extra things that you're tacking on to your life and mm-hmm. then using them as an excuse to say, we don't have time for the things that are most important to us. You know, one of right. my favorite activities to do is invite people. And if you're listening right now, I invite you to do this. Just take your phone. Uh, if you have a smartphone, open it up and look at the screen health app and, and just say out loud how many hours a day you're spending on your cell phone. You know, I know some people who spend uh-huh. three, four, five, six hours a day on their cell phones and they're, uh-huh. and, they're and it's not like they're doing something crazy productive. You know, they're scrolling on social right. media, they're playing games, they're kind of checking uh-huh. out. And if you've got, if you've got a couple hours a day to spend on your phone and a couple of hours a day to, I don't know, watch Disney plus the Mandalorian or, you know, open uh-huh. up Netflix and, and watch, breaking bad or something like that, then you have time to invest in your relationship. Uh, You have time to spend together with your partner, not, not in front of a screen. Um, So that's the first thing. (laughs) Go ahead. But but Nate, 
that's the easy stuff. I mean, my phone never rejects me, right? I can vent right. out, you know, watching The Mandalorian doesn't require much of me, but my partner wants something from me. Great. Here's my thought about one of the things I think about marriage, and I wish it's such a simple idea, and I wish more people just kind of glommed onto this, but um, of course your partner wants something from you. You know, when, when you get married, I think one of the inherent, maybe unspoken agreements that we make with our partner is you come into a marriage and you, and you kind of have this idea of, hey, I want to make your life better. Mm-hmm. from my being a part of it. And I want, and, and my hope is that you try to make my life better by being a part of it. And at the very least, like at bare minimum, at least let's not make it worse for each other. <laughs> you know, if we can't make life better for the other, for each other, at least let's not make it worse for each other. And I'm blown away by how many people struggle to even um, kind of to, to, to grasp that concept or hold on to it. And right. I, and, and so I, I started thinking about that and, and what you said, and it's like, yeah, of course your partner wants something from you. Of course your partner desires maybe some time or affection or attention, but uh-huh. that's the thing that makes your relationship worthwhile. It's the, that's the investment that you make that, that into the bank account. That's the investment. Uh-huh. In, or that's, those are the drops of water into your, into your love tank that are filling up the reserves for a rainy day. And um, if you can't willingly give that to the person that you love, I would say, what kind of lover are you? Well, what and, kind of partner so, are you being? Right. And that's so important. And I, and I do think that that's the steady drip of the entropy you're talking about because people stop spending the kind of time. You know, it, it's sort of like asking couples, it's like, okay, so if you were doing what you're doing right now when you were dating, would you actually be married? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you, would you, would you marry you? Right. I mean, yeah. it's sort of like if, if you went out, you know, if you, if you spent time with your partner and they were always on their phone or, you know, you know, doing something that didn't include you, would you actually have gotten married to them? And yeah. you know, so sometimes it's just that simple. So what are some ways to keep, you know, your love and your marriage alive and thriving? Yes, I'm glad that we're getting practical here. Yeah. Um, so some things that you can do to keep your marriage, like super simple things that you could do every day to keep your marriage alive and thriving. Um, one thing would be download. There's a if you just do a Google search for Gottman card decks, download the Gottman card decks app, or you can buy physical cards from just online, mm-hmm. and they they have hundreds and hundreds of questions that you can ask your partner to get to know them, to know what's going on in their world uh, on Uh totally different topics. That's one great thing that you can do is ask your partner at least one great open-ended question every single day. Um, Another thing that you could do that, uh, that my wife and I try to do is so today she's at work, she's a nurse and she'll come home today at like seven 30 at night. And the first thing that I do when she gets home is I pin her up against the wall and I give her a long passionate kiss. That's at least six seconds. And that always seems to just like bring a smile to her face and make her feel Uh loved. Um, I actually have a scorecard for myself that I've developed where I write down five or five or six things that I want to do on a regular basis to help my marriage thrive. So on that scorecard, I I have those two things that I just mentioned. I have Uh um, like help help with a chore around the house at least once a day, preferably a chore Uh that my wife hates. 
So uh-huh. I just kind of try and tackle the dishes without, without ever being asked. It's something uh-huh. my, my wife hates loading and unloading the dishwasher. So I just do it <laughs> because I love right. her and I want her to know right. that I love her. Um, giving, giving an honest and sincere compliment and, and not only just giving a compliment, but, um, or, or, an, or an appreciation, but adding on a why, like uh-huh. there's some, there's something sweet about like, Hey, thanks for sending me that text in the middle of the day, but you take it to another level when you say, Hey, thanks for sending me that text in the middle of the day. It means so much to me to know that you're thinking about me when we're not together. Like Uh that why on top of it, man, that Uh can light your partner up and make them feel like they're just doing such a great job and make them want to continue to invest in your relationship. Um, Plus plus that also gives feedback to the things that they value. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I, if I could put a why to it, then it's like, oh, this is something my partner values, not just because, again, we don't want to spend a lot of time doing things that our partners don't really, I mean, you know, they can acknowledge them, but, it, but they may not be as meaningful as something else we could be doing with that time. Definitely, definitely. Uh, another small thing that I think has a, a, makes a huge, huge impact that we don't talk about often enough is taking responsibility. Taking responsibility for your thoughts, your words, your, your emotions, your actions. When you uh-huh. use a sharp tone of voice and it hurts your partner's feelings, uh-huh. own it and be like, hey, yep. yeah, that was not a very kind tone of voice. Or, you know, when you forget to keep an agreement, when you say you're going to be home at six o'clock and you don't come home until 630, you know, own it. Uh-huh. Say, hey, I messed up. You know, I, I get that I promised I'd be home at six and I didn't make it till 630. I get that I promised I'd pick up Billy from soccer practice and I was late okay. and that worried you. Right. Like validate uh-huh. your partner. Those little things go such a long way. And it, it contributes to, you know, that love tank. It, it, it adds to that love bank account so that, you know, you're developing a sense of rapport and you're showing up as a responsible, trustworthy, and fun and interesting partner. Yep. Which is, which is really interesting because I know that that, I mean, I was just having this conversation with a client yesterday because he was asking me how to start a really hard conversation with his wife. And I said, well, first, you need to apologize. And he goes, why do I say, okay, first off, you asked me what was going to work, and I'm telling you, now you're arguing with me. But I said, because she's hurt. And I said, nothing, you're not going to get any farther if you just start in with the conversation without going, you know, hey, honey, I'm really sorry when we were talking earlier today, I wasn't really listening to you, and I'm really sorry. Yeah. And now, I, 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 sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. I mean, and, and now, and now she's, she's going to be open to hearing him. Absolutely. I love that you bring this up because I think it's a perfect analogy. I, I just mentioned a minute ago that my wife is a nurse and mm-hmm. doctors and nurses, they take this thing called the Hippocratic Oath, which is do no harm. You know, it's right. They, they, uh-huh. they want, if they have the ability to help somebody who's, who's in pain or sick, they do it. That's, that's right. part of what they, they are and, or who they are as people as, as in their career. And I think about how we show up in our relationships. And I know a lot of people get wrapped around the axle of why should I apologize? I didn't do anything wrong or I didn't mean Correct. to do it. Like it wasn't yeah. intentional. And right. I start thinking about a doctor or a nurse like my wife standing mm-hmm. in, in a, somebody's, uh, a patient's room and they're writhing in pain and they've got the knowledge and they've got the resources to, to, take away the pain or give them, give them a prescription to help, you know, fix the problem they're struggling with, but they stand there and go, "Mm, you know, 
I didn't cause this, so I'm not going to fix it. Or exactly. it was an accident that the way that you got this, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you. And, and I, th- right. I, I, w- I wish more people could capture that idea because that's what they're doing in their relationship when they refuse to apologize. You know, if you're, if you've hurt your partner, whether it's on purpose or not, and you have the tools to remove the pain, it doesn't mean you have to like, say you did something wrong. It just means you have to take the tools that you have at your disposal and say, Hey, I see you're hurting. I have the tools to alleviate that suffering to make you feel better. And I'm going to use them. And I, yeah, and it's important, but I also want to get back to your, to your scorecard because I, I, I'm so glad you said this because the minute you said scorecard, I'm thinking, uh oh, but you were talking about a scorecard for yourself. Not a yeah, for myself. Not for, not no, I don't. I don't keep. Wife is doing. I do like, not keep track of what my wife does. I just it, this is me measuring my performance as a husband right. for myself. Right. Which which I think if we all did that, you know, if we asked, how am I doing? I mean, and I've talked about this before, where in our jobs, well, not me because I work for myself, but uh, and well, my 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 um, job performance appraisal is did I make money this year, <laughs> but. But you know, we don't get it. We don't get a performance appraisal as a spouse, and I think we should give ourselves one. But again, we focus on well, my partner's not doing A, B, and C. It's like okay, that may be that may be true, but how how am I doing as a spouse? Am I putting in the time and the energy to have a good marriage? Yeah. You know. Well, if there's something that I've learned, you, you can't change. Like you. How do I put, here's a better analogy, because I, I sometimes I think people have a hard time grasping this concept, but uh-huh. if, you, if, if you want your partner to lose weight, you cannot eat a salad on their behalf, and you cannot right. go to the gym on their behalf and have them lose weight. Like if you eat an extra salad and do right. a bunch of extra push-ups and sit-ups, your partner's not going to burn more calories and suddenly get, get into shape. Like right. you, can't, you can't force your partner to, or, or do something for them. Like you can't do the work for them. They mm-hmm. have to choose to do it themselves, which means in your marriage, like you can't force your partner to be more empathetic. You can't force them to be more understanding. You can't force them to do the work. All you can do, the only change that you can make in your relationship is a change to yourself. And when you focus on all the things your partner is doing wrong, all the ways that they're causing mm-hmm. you pain, all the ways that they're letting you down, man, you're just like, you're doing all the sit-ups and frustrated that they're not, you're not seeing any progress for them. And, right. um, and I think that really marriage, marriages get better and marriages become truly extraordinary when you shift all of your focus to yourself. Yeah. And, and it, it's really funny because I, I was saying this yesterday to a couple and I'm saying, you know, couples work actually isn't couples work. It's mutual individual work. <laughs> because, yeah. Because, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and what we're talking about, if our partners are doing things that we find problematic, it is important to be able to talk about it, but but if we have that strong foundation that you're talking about building, if you're if you have a good you know, if you have a high balance in your love bank account, then those conversations are so much easier to have. And you know, we do have to be able to say to our partners, Hey, this isn't working for me. Can we take a look at doing something else? Not you're bad, you're wrong, you know, stop using the U yeah. word. You know, but it's, and you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, there is information out there. You have information. I have information. The Gottman Institute has, I mean, you know, there's, there's so much information out there about it that people, I mean, it's, it's a Google away. I mean, literally it's a Google away. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But but information without action isn't going to get you anything. Knowing that you should eat a certain diet, but not eating it isn't going to help you. So exactly. They, can you share where people can find more information um, about how to keep their marriages alive and thriving? A hundred percent. So one of the things that I know people have really been struggling with lately, especially in, in the COVID crisis where we've all kind of been confined to our homes, you know, you mentioned date night and how sometimes uh-huh. it's hard to get out and, and, and spend time uh, on each other. I, I just think a lot of people are in this funk that I refer to as roommate syndrome. They're uh-huh. kind of that they're drifting apart. We're in sweatpants mode. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to kind of, we feel like that spark might be dying a little bit in our, in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I went out in November because I noticed that this is kind of a problem. And I interviewed 30 of my favorite relationship experts from all over the world. And I asked them, Hey, if you had 30 days to, if you found out that you're kind of woke up one morning and realized your marriage was in roommate syndrome and you had 30 mm-hmm. days to get it out and keep it out, what would you do? And uh, I put, I kind of collab. Uh, collected all of these these 30 interviews and put them together into a summit. And um, your listeners can go check that out for free right now at areweroommates.com. They can hear the advice from all 30 of those marriage experts and hear what they would do um, to get their, to kind of get unstuck, to get that spark uh-huh. back, to, to get out of roommate syndrome. And that's just a free resource that I've been offering people lately who might be feeling like they want more out of their marriage or that their marriage is kind of falling asleep a little bit at, at how to wake uh-huh. it up. So. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, I, in fact, I'm going to go check it out because yeah, Great. I think it's really important for me to know too. So I Definitely. want to know that, that falling in love is easy. Staying in love takes attention. And if you spend more time wondering what your spouse has done for you lately, instead of thinking ways to show your love for them, your marriage is actually heading for trouble. If you want to stop the slide and rebuild your love, as you've been hearing today, it's possible. You just have to take loving action. So hopefully one of the actions you will take is to continue listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving.